I didn't give you a list. I didn't give you a song list. Oh, 
Yeah. 
him to die. I scarce can make it. That on the cross, my burden gladly buried. He bled and died to take away my sin. Then take my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then take my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart? Then I shall die in humble adoration and there proclaim my God. My soul, my Savior, God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sing my soul, my Savior, God, to thee. How great thou art, how great. He truly is in every way. So great. What a God we serve. Amen. Well, I'm, I'm privileged. I don't know about you, but I feel pretty privileged to be his child. Amen. He never let me down ever, ever. You know, we go through difficulties, but he never lets us down. He never he never promised us it was going to be without difficulties to begin with. Y'all realize that, don't you? He said, in this world you shall have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I will overcome the world. And in him is where we find our peace. In him is where we find our, our joy. Amen. And I'm so glad that it's that way. I'm glad I don't go through this world not knowing that God is in charge. Take your Bible. I want you to turn this morning over to the book of Acts and uh, chapter 12. Acts chapter 12. <coughs> and we're going to be picking up there in verse 5. If you remember last last Sunday, we got off into some pretty deep stuff. Amen? And we didn't have to dig for it. It was right there. Amen? It was right there in the Bible. And, uh, you know, I... Something was pointed out last night. Actually, I was watching. I was watching another preacher, and he was talking about that very thing we talked about last week. We were talking about the difference between Passover and Easter. And you know, the Bible said there in verse uh, verse three, "Then were the days of unleavened bread." Well, when the Passover ends, that's when unleavened bread, the days of unleavened bread, begin. So they they go through uh, I believe it's seven days of unleavened bread, the feast of unleavened bread, after the Passover ends. So the Passover was already over. 
So they couldn't say that Easter meant Passover because it was already over. They had to wait a whole other year to bring Peter out if they were waiting for Passover. All right, so let's get into it this morning. Acts chapter 12, verses 5 through 25, and we're going to read that, and then we're going to go back and we're going to look at it and see what God has to say to us this morning. So let's read from the Word of God this morning. Acts chapter 12 and verse 5. The Bible said, Peter, therefore, was kept in prison. Let's just read the whole chapter. It's only four more verses, and so we have continuity. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him into prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers, keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison, and he smote Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands. And the angel said unto him, Gird thyself and bind on thy sandals. And he did so. So he did. And he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee and follow me. And he went out and followed him. And wist not that it was true which was done by the angel, but thought he saw a vision. When they were past the first and the second ward, came to the iron gate which leadeth into the city, which opened to them of his own accord, and they went out, passed on through one street, and forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, he said, Now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel, and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod, and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. And when he had considered the thing, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark. That's John Mark went ran out naked that night with a garment around him. And many were gathered where many were gathered together praying. I believe that was the upper room, by the way, folks, where they were at there. And Peter knocked at the door of the gate. A damsel came to hearken named Rhoda. And when she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. And they said unto her, Thou art mad. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Then said they, It is his angel. But Peter continued knocking, and when he had opened the door, and they had opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. But he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declaring unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison, and, it's, and he said, Go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. Now as soon as it were day, there was no small stir among the soldiers what was become of Peter. And when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined the keepers and commanded they should be put to death. And he went down from Judea to Caesarea and their abode. And Herod highly, was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon because they came with one accord to him. And having made Blastus the king's chamberman plain, their friend desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. And upon a set day, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon the throne, and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout, saying, It is the voice of a God and not of a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him 
because he gave not to God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. But the word of God grew and multiplied, and Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. I want you to look there at verse 24. That's our text verse this morning. And the word of God grew and multiplied. Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father, I need you this morning. Help me these next few moments. Father God, give me grace. Give me your power. Give me your power of the Holy Ghost to preach. Father, I thank you now. Lord, help me to magnify Jesus. Help me this morning, Lord. I know I can't do a thing without you, so I pray for your power. I pray for Holy Ghost unction and power. Lord God, I pray that not only for myself, but I pray for each and every one under the sound of my voice that they might be spirit-filled listeners this morning, Lord, that you might be able to work in their lives. And, and Lord, draw them to be closer to being, Lord, uh, in the image of your Son, Father God. I pray for the soul that's lost. Pray for the Lord this be the day they realize they need to come to Jesus and be saved. They come in repentance and faith and believe it on Christ and being born again for all eternity and becoming a child of God. Father, I pray for that. I pray, Lord, you help and edify the saints. Bless us now. We need you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. All right. Praise God. It is good to be in church this morning. Amen. All right. We're going to try to do what we can here. we got a little ways to go, but we're going to try to make it. Amen. Again, the, the Word of God grew and multiplied. Amen. You know the Word of God can still do that today? It can. I know you look around America and say, Lord, churches are dying. Churches drying up on the vine. we got churches closing down and, 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 and taking this irons down and, and just got a handful here and there and yonder. We can say all kinds of things. We can talk about how many how many versions of the Bible they done printed. The devil's trying to pollute the water so you can't find the right word of God anymore. There's so many things we could say negative. And I guarantee you, had you been a Christian during that time living living in Jerusalem, you probably would have said, boy, we're in trouble around here. Jesus has gone back to heaven. I mean, good night. They have done killed James, and now they've got Peter in jail. We are in trouble. What are they trying to do? They're trying to get rid of all the leaders of the church because they want to shut the church down because the church is infringing on their on their religion, it's infringing on their, their, their culture, it's infringing on, on their political system, it's infringing on everything and making all these pagans nervous, they don't understand what's going on, the Jews are not, they're uncomfortable, they're angry, they've got a lot of negative things going on, but I want you to understand that the church, the Lord's church, the word of God continued to grow and multiply, number one, in the faith of doubtful prayer. Now, when I said last week, when I left here, I said, you know what happened? The church hit their knees. Whenever James was killed and Peter was locked up, they hit their knees. But I want you to understand something. Even though they hit their knees and they prayed, they were doing some doubtful praying. Okay? Bible said it was made without ceasing of the church for him, so they were constantly praying. But don't you consider the security he was under? Verse 6 tells us when Herod that had brought him forth, the same night... He was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the keeper before the door kept keepers before the door kept the prison. So Peter's inside there. He's sitting there on the bench, I guess. I'm going to say he was sitting on the bench, or he's laying down somewhere or another. 
But it would also, he's got chains on his hands. You know, that's an odd way to say it, isn't it? But look through his fingers, around his thumb. Understand something? When the Bible says hands, it means the wrist all the way up to the hands. Remember they said Jesus and his hands and his feet. He nailed his hands and his feet. They nailed Jesus in a foam with it and a ripped out between his fingers. So the hand includes the wrist. So that's just for future reference if somebody ever says, well, they said hand. Well, hand means the wrist down. So anyway, so he's got chains around his wrists. He's asleep. Okay? He, he's, he doesn't got comfortable for the night. He ain't got shoes on. He, he ain't got his outer garment on. He, He's in, his, he's in his bed clothes, and he's chained up, and he's got a guard over here, and he's got a guard over there, chained to them. There's two guys sitting outside the door. There's four more guys waiting to change the guard, and there's four more guys waiting after that, and four more guys waiting after that. Four quarters of the night, they're going to be there, and they're going to watch over it. So the people praying in the upper room, let's say, because I think that's where it was at, John Mark's home, they're up there praying, the early church. But they know this is a bad situation. I mean, there's four people guarding. Sixteen men total. I mean, they probably thought Peter's as good as gone. They've done kill James. they got Peter locked up. They're going to bring him out tomorrow, and it's going to be over. They're going to bring him out, and they're going to have a mock trial, and then they'll cut his head off, and that'll be done. But I want you to look down in verse 15. Look down in verse 15. So we know what we know what what happened. The angel Lord come along. He says, "Peter, get up." Chains fell off. Peter looked at his chains laying on the bench. Wow, that was pretty neat. Chains just fell off. And Peter thought he was dreaming. Peter thought for a while there. Peter thought he was dreaming. Angel said, "Hey, Peter, put your shoes on, bro. Put your shoes on. Get your coat on. We gotta go." Peter gets up. Put shoes on, gets his coat on, sleepy headed. Who knows? Probably two or three o'clock in the morning. Who knows? He's walking through. He's walking out, and the, the, the prison door open, and him and the angel walking out. He's like, "That's a mighty wild vision I'm having right now." And they get to the they get to the second gate outside, and and, and that gate opens of its own accord. And he walks through that one, and then they get out there to the third gate. I'm, I'm sorry to the well, yeah. The, one, two, three. There's actually four gates before he's out in the street. So all these gates start opening up as he's going. And I know there's lots of people today who have told him to sit still. You're breaking the law, Peter. Don't go to the angel, Peter. You're breaking the law. The law said you're going to be executed tomorrow. You better stay right where you're supposed to be. Well, obey the law of the land, Peter. Don't be a rebel. Don't go against, don't go against authority, Peter. There's a lot of people who have said that. You should just die the way you're supposed to. knocking, runs down there, 
And she said, who is it? He says, Peter. And she said, what? He says, Peter. And she laid me. She's coming out of the stairs. Oh, it's Peter. He's out there. Peter's out there. What they say? Crazy, girly. They said, literally, they said, you are mad. Thou art mad. The word is, I think it's may I know my Greek word. I try to correct the English. I'm just telling you. It means to be crazy. That's what the word means. So they told her, you are crazy. She said, no, it's really him. They said, oh, it's his angel. What do they mean by that? That means they done killed him, and that's his spirit showing up saying, hey, they killed me. I just want to let you all know before I go to heaven, I guess. Well, these people pray and believe in and expecting an answer. No. Well, they, they were praying without ceasing, the Bible said. They were constantly praying, but they weren't praying, hoping, and expecting. They were doubtfully praying. They didn't expect it to work right. They didn't expect it to go good. Have you ever been praying and you just had the feeling, this ain't going to work? I know I'm praying, but it ain't going to go the way I want it to go. Well, that's how they were doing but even though they were praying doubtfully, God's plan still had to work, amen, because it wasn't about them. It was about what God had, what God was going to do. So here they are. They're saying, you know, it couldn't be. It couldn't be. couldn't be him. Verse 16 says, but Peter continued knocking. And when they'd opened the door, they saw him. They were astonished. It blew their minds. They were amazed. They couldn't believe it. But he beckoned unto them with the hand to hold their peace. He's like, declared how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, go, show these things unto James and to the brethren. And he departed and went to another place. So he said, wait a minute, they didn't kill James. Well, there's more than one James. Evidently, this is referring to either one, one known as James the Lord's brother or James the less. There were two other James. So there's a lot of people by the same name in the Bible. But James... The one that's been killed is the one who wrote the book of James, which is Hebrews and then James. So, but this is the other James, and evidently the Lord's brother James stepped up and became a leader in the church after after John's brother James was killed. But they were all amazed and blown away, and and, and, and they were beside themselves. That's what it means. They, they you couldn't believe it. So you know what? Even though. Their prayers were doubtful prayers. Even though their prayer didn't have a whole lot of earth behind it, God still continued to work. The Word of God continued to grow. The church continued to be blessed. People continued to get saved, even though men failed. Now, let me, let me, let me say this about prayer real quick before we get, get a little further into this. There's different kinds of praying. The Bible talks about prayer without ceasing, which is what they were doing there. They were, that's what people call praying through. We're going to pray until something happens. We're going to continue praying until God does something. Okay? The Bible, uh, you know, the Bible teaches us to do that. You know, the whole story of the, the friend who came to his friend at midnight, and he says, Ask, and you shall receive. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be open unto you. That's in, that means continue to ask until you get an answer. Seek until you find what you're looking for and knock until that door opens. And that's what they were trying to do. <clears throat> but they also was full of doubt. But, you know, the Bible talks about praying, nothing doubting. In First Timothy 2.8, it said, I will, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. God wants people to pray. The Bible, first of all, says lifting up holy hands. You know what that means? 
before you pray to God, you need to confess your sins and get right with him. And once you're right with him, then you can lift up holy hands before the Lord and pray without wrath and doubting. You see, you get that wrath and doubting out first. That's part about that's part of confessing them sins so you can lift up holy hands. If you're angry with somebody, if you're bitter, if you're mad about something, you can't pray right. You can't lift up holy hands. Your hands tarnished with your anger and your whatever it is, your disgust. But once you go to the Lord and you confess, Lord, I I, I have prep I guess my brother and my sister, and Lord, I want to confess that I'm wrong. Let me get right with you now I can pray right. Okay? But he says, without doubting, too, we need to go to God and say, say Lord, I, 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 I'm, we ought to just be like the man who brought his son to Jesus and his disciples couldn't do anything to help him. You remember that? Said all, he said, this, this thing is this, this spirit at all times cast him into the, to the water, the fire, trying to drown him, trying to burn him. And he said, if thou canst do anything, Jesus said, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he said, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. So what is he saying? He said, Lord, I, I know you can, but I got doubts that I can't get past. Help me. Help me get over these doubts. And so there's all kinds of things that happen when we pray. We can we can pray right or we can pray wrong, but pray anyway. Don't ever not pray because you say, well, I don't know if I'm praying right. I don't know this or that or other. If you continue to pray, God will show you what's wrong. But the worst thing we can do is not pray. Amen? So we can criticize these disciples for doubtful praying all we want to, but let's be honest, sometimes we do the same thing, but that don't mean we shouldn't continue to talk to God. That doesn't mean we ought not continue to petition heaven, knock on the doors of heaven and beg God for an answer. So I just want you to understand, even though it wasn't perfect, God still was moving. Why? Because if you got faith, it's a grain of what? A mustard seed. Amen? God doesn't say we got all the, uh, you know, the, the most mature Christian ever before I'm going to answer you. No. No, God hears the prayer of faith, even if it's a little faith. You know, I've said it before, I'll say it again. All your failures in life are prayer failures. We can do nothing until we pray. Okay? We've got to turn it over to God. Because the Bible says, Jesus said, without me, you can do what? Nothing. All right? <clears throat> so the church grew, in spite, and the Word of God grew and multiplied in spite of doubtful prayer. Number two, it grew in spite of tension, too. There was a lot of tension going on in that time. All right? Look at, uh, look at verse 17. Verse 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good. Wait, I, where am I at? No, I'm in the wrong chapter. The Bible doesn't turn on me. All right. So, verse 17. But he beckoned unto them with a hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison. And he said, Go show these things unto James to the brethren. And he departed and went into another place. Okay? There was a lot of tension that came about because Peter had escaped from prison. Caused a lot of serious problems. I mean, you can imagine... They, I mean, the government planned to execute Peter tomorrow. Now, all of a sudden, they go in there the next morning, he's there. Verse 18 said, as soon as it was day, there was no small stir among the soldiers as to what would become of Peter. 
picture in your mind, if you will, when them soldiers woke up and he's gone and the doors of the prison are open. Could be a lot of people escaped. I mean, the Bible doesn't talk about what happened to everybody else. Could be the others woke up. Maybe some of them got out. I don't know. But I can tell you this, it caused a great commotion, a great disturbance. There was a lot of shouting and a lot of yelling and probably a lot of cursing, and there was a, there was some bad stuff went on. <clears throat> you remember, you all remember the story of the, the Philippian jailer? Paul and Silas are in the jail at midnight, praising God, and the earth starts quaking, the jail starts shaking, doors fly open, chains fall off all the prisoners. You remember the jailer? He woke up, and the Bible said he, he got a light, and he sprang in, and he, and, he, and he pulled out his sword and was about to kill himself. Now, why would he about to kill himself? Because back then, I don't think anybody wanted to go into prison industry, okay? I don't think anybody wanted to be a jailkeeper. Probably a position you were given rather than you chose, because... If you lose your prisoner, you have to die. That's the fact. That's the law. If you lose that life, we'll take your life. Plain and simple. So that's why that political jail was going to kill himself, because he thought everybody had escaped. He knew they were going to torture him probably and kill him. So he just was going to go ahead and take his life get it over with. Well, that morning when they were going to go there to get Peter, well, already the keepers probably woke up and said, oh, no, we're in trouble. What are we going to do? Where's he at? Everybody's looking for him everywhere. They're trying to find him. This means our life. We know it. Our, our neck is on the line. I mean, everybody's scrambling trying to find Peter. <clears throat> the Bible said in verse 19, and when Herod had sought for him, so he sent people all over Jerusalem looking for him, and they found him not. He examined the keepers. That don't mean he just took them in there and said, fellas, you know, put, the, put them in a dark room, put the light on them. You know, you don't tell us what we want to know. No, that means they tied them up to that same whipping post they whipped Jesus at, and they start whipping on their backs with their cat of nine tails and say, tell us what you've done with him. Tell us why you let him go. Tell us where he went. They examined them, and you know what? They couldn't tell them because they didn't know where he went. He said they commanded that they should be put to death. So every one of those soldiers who was in charge of keeping Peter were executed. Somebody said, Peter, you should have stayed put. Them guys will still be alive. I'm very sad that they all had to die for that. But so be it. They were standing in the way of God. But I want you to notice that. There was, there's other problems that came about because Peter left. First thing, his life's under threat. Everywhere he goes, hey, Peter is a wanted man. Peter is a fugitive from justice. I thought about that Merle Haggard song. On every road, there's always one more city. Huh? Fugitive must be a rolling stone. He'll never settle down. He's always on the run. So somebody's always looking for him. Amen. His life, he's a hunted man. Anybody that helps Peter is going to be in danger. You know that. If you have somebody running from the law and they stay at your house and you give them a place to stay and feed them and they find the law finds out you've done that, you're in trouble. 
Well, I guarantee if the Romans found out or if the Jews found out somebody had been halogen Peter, they're in deep trouble. So think about this. Peter can't just go anywhere he wants to now. He can't just do anything he wants to. He can't just preach anywhere he wants to because he is a wanted man. So his, his travel and his work is going to be hindered from this point forward. So there's tension. There's trouble. Now, listen, there's all kinds of things going on here. All right? There, there's weak praying. There, there's tension afoot. Number three, the Word of God continued to grow and multiply. Even in the midst of idolatry, there was idolatry going on too. I want you to look at verse 20. The Bible said, And Herod was highly displeased with them of Tyre and Sidon. That's up north, Israel. But they came of one accord to him, having made blasphemous the king's chamberlain, their friend, and desired peace because their country was nourished by the king's country. Uh, in other words, I want to say it's Phoenicia. Israel benefited them. They were trading partners, and I mean, one washed the other one's back, or scratched the other one's back, or whatever you want to say it. So they were trying to be kind to Herod, and Herod went down to that area. The Bible says uh, that he that he on a set day Herod arrayed in royal apparel sat upon his throne made an oration unto them. So he went down there where they were at, and uh, he got up and gave a great speech to those people. And the Bible said, and the people gave a shout, saying, "It is the voice of a god and not a man." And the Bible said immediately the angel of the Lord smote him because he gave not God the glory and was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. Now, let me, let, me, let me give you a little different perspective on what happened. History tells us that same story. Some of y'all have heard the name Josephus. Josephus was a great historian of Bible things back in that day. He wrote all this stuff down. And I'm going to give you the account of what, just, what we just read. So Herod goes, he goes up to the coast over on the so the west coast, up, up north of Israel. So he's there speaking to these people. And uh, let me just read to you what, what, what Josephus says. Now when Herod had reigned three years over all Judea, he came to the city Caesarea. There he exhibited shows in honor of the emperor. On the second day of the festival, Herod put on a garment made wholly of silver. And of a truly wonderful contexture, I looked at what up that meant it was woven. And came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment was illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun's rays upon it. It shone out after a surprising manner, and was so resplendent as to spread a horror over all those that looked intently upon him. So he's shining in the morning sun, glowing. At that moment, his flatterers cried out that he was a god. And they added, Be merciful to us, for although we have hitherto reverenced thee only as a man, yet shall we henceforth own thee as a superior to moral, mortal nature. Upon this, the king did neither rebuke them nor rejected their impious flattery. But as he presently afterward looked up, he saw an owl sitting on a certain rope over his head and immediately understood that this bird was the messenger of ill tidings, as it had once been the messenger of good 
tidings to him, and he fell into the deepest sorrow. A severe pain also arose in his belly and began in a most violent manner. He therefore looked upon his friends and said, I, whom ye call a God, am commanded presently to depart this life. While providence thus reproves the lying words you now just said to me, and I, who was by you called immortal, am immediately to be hurried away by death. But I am bound to accept of what providence allots, as it pleases God, for we have by no means lived ill, but in a splendid and happy manner. After he said this, the pain became so violent. According as he was, accordingly, he was carried into the palace, and the rumor went abroad that he would certainly die in a little time. But the multitude presently sat in sackcloth with their wives and children after the law of their country and besought God for the king's recovery. All palaces, all places rather, were also full of mourning and lamentation. Now the king rested in a high chamber, and as he saw them below lying prostrate on the ground, he could not himself forbear weeping. And when he had been quite worn out by the pain in his belly for five days, he departed this life, being in the 54th year of his age and the seventh year of his reign. So he said, why don't you read all that? Because I want you to see that the Bible and history run side by side. There ain't no difference. History simply amens as a second witness to what the Word of God says. Now, it doesn't say that he died there as soon as that happened. It said immediately he smote it. Okay? And the Bible said, and he was eaten of worms. So it took place, and, and Joseph said five days, and then he was gone. Eaten of worms. Say, so how where them worms come from? I don't know. Doesn't really matter. I guess God put them there. I don't know. Maybe he was feasting with the pagans on some hogs that wouldn't cook good. I don't know. But he got, he got to eat up with worms is all I know. Listen, God wasn't going to tolerate that. God, hey, he'll have no other gods before him. Amen. Doesn't matter if, if the if the if the man in charge who's, who's threatening the church fancies himself a god. Hey, there'll be another one of them come along before too long. Amen. There's going to come another one who's going to call himself a god on this earth. Thank God we won't be here for it. But praise God. Hey, God's in control, and God can still do things in the midst of all that that's going on around him. Amen. In the midst of all that's going on around the church. It doesn't stop God from working is what I want to tell you this morning. The blood shall never lose its power. It doesn't make any difference how what kind of political tensions are going on. It makes no difference whether or not the church is as weak as strained water. God can still work in the midst of all that. In the middle of all that, Christianity was alive and well, and that's what we see in verse 24, that the Word of God grew and multiplied. Amen? God is going, listen, he's going to save who he's going to save. God is going to bring who he's going to bring into the kingdom of God. The devil can't stop that, amen? God is going to, he's going to do what God's going to do. Let me just say this in closing. Verse 25, we see this too. We see that Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they fulfilled their ministry and took them John his son and was Mark. They accomplished what they set out to do. God is going to accomplish what he sets out to do. His word is going to do what it sets out to do. I want you to understand this morning that the devil does not have power over God. The devil does not have power over God's people either. Amen? Listen, God can move in spite of any opposition. It doesn't make any difference. We, 
Every one of us can do what God has called us to do. You look at what we've looked at this morning, there were all kinds of obstacles in the way, and yet God succeeded. There are all kinds of obstacles in our way today, but I can tell you one of the biggest obstacles is the person in the mirror. It's not necessarily that this world won't let us do what God's called us to do. The problem with us today is that we just simply won't do what God's called us to do. Not the way God's called us to do it. Or we'd see the word growing and multiplying. We are capable. Every one of us in this room that's saved by the grace of God has the message within us. We have the story to tell. Every single one of us. And we have the opportunity. We can't say, we, we, we can't say well, we got the message, but we just don't have the opportunity. We have the opportunity. We just don't make the most of our opportunities. We can. Amen. God is not limited in what he's able to do. We simply have to obey him. And let me just, let me just line this up. The word of God can grow. Amen. Listen. Don't, don't look at the world around you and say, well, this world just don't want Jesus anymore. This world just don't want the Word of God anymore, so well, ain't no point in us trying. No, this, the Word of God can spread. The Word of God can grow. People can get saved. Families can, can, can get saved. Lives can be changed. Marriages can be restored. Children can come back home. I mean, God can fix things. The Word can grow. I know we're living in the days of apostasy. I know we're living in the last days, amen. But you know what? We may not have a gigantic church here. The Word of God can grow, and we may still never have a great big church here, but you know what? That's okay. Hey, I tell you what, if we can see people saved, even if our church doesn't grow that big, and listen, I'm still happy that people are getting saved, amen. I didn't come here so we could build some great big huge building and have a enormous worship service, I came to teach you the Word of God. Amen? I came because I love you and I want you to know the Lord better than you know Him now. I want you to continue to grow. But we can't, listen, the thing I'm trying to say to you this morning is that truth, you can't put a chain on truth. You can't bind chain, uh, a truth with a chain. You know, listen, Herod wanted to shut the truth up. So he chained up one of the main preachers of the truth he killed one and fixed to kill the other one. God showed him, look, you can't put a chain on what I'm trying to do. You can't lock, up, lock away what I'm trying to do. You're not going to destroy what I'm trying to do. Amen? Don't ever think that this world has got you beat down where you can't be a child of God. Serve God as a child of God. This world cannot stop you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Amen? Listen, the devil has never won one single victory over the Lord, ever. And he never will. The word can grow. Well, sometimes, you know, sometimes God has to purge his church. Some, sometimes God has to has to take some things away for things to grow. I mean, God allowed James to be taken away. God allowed that to happen. I think it allowed that to happen for them to realize this is serious here. This is serious what's going on. And we better get serious about our faith. I'm going to tell you, we're living in an age of grace right now. We're living in a time where there's peace, and, and we're able to to, uh, to serve God without fear of, of retaliation. But that may not always be. And if we don't make the most of it right now while there's freedom to do so, what are we going to do when there's not? What are we going to do with it when there's not? The Word of God can grow. 
but it won't unless in the, as individuals. We, we come before our Father, and we say, Lord, what about me? What do you want to use me to do? I mean, the blood of Jesus is so precious. It's able to wash sins away for all eternity. And each and every one of us knows that. And each and every one of us knows somebody outside these walls who don't know that. And each one of us has a responsibility to share that saving blood with that person so that they can escape the fires of hell for all eternity, so that they not only escape the fires of hell for all eternity, but that they spend eternity with us and with the Lord forevermore in peace and joy in heaven. Folks, the word of God is not hindered except by our failure to share it. The word of God will grow, and the word of God will multiply when we sow the word of God. Let's stand together. We're going to sing number 375. If the Lord's dealing with you today, if the Lord spoke to you today about something, I urge you to come and do business with him. Let's ask God to work in our life today. Number 375. Just as I am. <laughs>